as a great man once said, wait till they get a load of me. That's right people, and welcome back to Films of Amigos, the day we're donning our super scuba suit as we discuss 2010's Kick-Ass. My name's Ben, and joining myself as usual is Sam, Big Dan, and the Amigo himself, Francis Lee. Welcome back to episode number seven of Films with Amigos, and we're doing a late review of Kick-Ass, approximately late by ten years. <laughs> Better late than never. Better late than never. Um, Fran, you you essentially picked this film, although via democracy. <laughs> Do you want to just give us a, a quick a quick overview? What what is the plot of this film? Yeah, basically, I'm not going to say plot, but the film is is a teen Deadpool. That's how I'm going to summarize it. You've got it. Yeah, that's it. Full stop. Crack on. Yeah, so let's dissect that just a little bit more in terms of teenage Deadpool. Let's talk, how does this film fit into the whole hero genre? And where is it a bit more unique and a bit similar to the others? I guess you've alluded to the fact with Deadpool, this film's also um, got the adult go language element to it yeah so the violence is there it's yeah it's a um is it an 18 i'm not sure if it was a 15 or an 18 but it is it's violent in in a similar vein to deadpool um well they dropped the c-bomb oh yeah and when you say they it was the uh the very young chloe moritz is it what is can't even remember how you pronounce the surname yeah hit girl she drops the big c-bomb and they drop plenty of other f bombs and everything else in between. So, oh yeah, it's, it's. I feel like it's got it's got the credentials. It's got the R rating. Yeah, it's a lot of elements of comedy as well. Not just the super violence, but the. Um... Yes, yeah, good balance. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. plays on them for comedic effect, modern kind of like shocking gore factor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's de- it's definitely follows Deadpool in that sense, and it it mixes in. Comedy into the into the ultraviolet scenes. Yep, and I think there's just that element of awareness as well. Like it knows what it is. Yeah, definitely. And, and then... I guess other thing about this film is sorry. Oh, no, no. I'm, just, I'm just going to say other thing thing about this film is obviously how it mocks superhero films constantly. Yeah, that's much in a similar way that Deadpool exactly does. It. Yeah. Plus, it's got. Where that does link it stand the... in the uh, in the timeline of it all? Like. What else was out around 2010 in like a, a superhero sense? I don't know if we had like X Men or. I'm trying to think because this would have been. Would have this been after the Avengers? Or do you think just before the Avengers? It was just after or just before? It was definitely into the Marvel run, no doubt. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was either just before or just after the first Avengers film. Yeah, trying to. So I remember going to watch this in uni. Trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it does a lot of plays on, you know, superhero origins because there's a bit where when his mum dies, and he says, you know, this isn't going to be one of those origin stories where he's like, I will avenge you, and he's just instead his mum just drops dead and he just moves on with his life. Yeah, it cuts out that whole family element just to kind of like skip along the plot bit. Yeah. Has anyone actually read the comic? No. Just 
No. No. No, I know there's a no, few. No. I'm guessing it follows change. like I'm guessing the comics very similar in tone though. In the violence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely you'd imagine so. Feels like it'd be true to whatever the original source was. Yeah. Especially as it's the same Mark Miller wrote Kingsman as well. And I think this film's very similar to Kingsman. Yeah, yeah definitely. Right. Definitely. Well, same director as well. Yep. And there's also the the link to Deadpool, so the protagonist, um, and how he comes to be the superhero kick-ass. Um, and not necessarily like a superpower, but it's just in what like senses that he loses in order to allow him to be um, the almost the vigilante that he is. I said Deadpool's definitely got a superpower. Yeah, yeah. But oh, Deadpool, can, <laughs> Deadpool does, but not kick-ass. That's what I mean. This this film yeah, is I... similar in effect to to kick uh, to Deadpool in that the protagonist has like undergone something, but it's I feel it's more of a mock than um, the way that Deadpool's is handled. Yeah, well, kick, kick well in Kickass they kind of have when his mum dies. That's a reference almost to Spider Man, uh, yeah. Uncle Ben dying. Yeah. And then he, then he, then Kickass's operation where he gets filled with metal plates and his nerve endings dies, kind of like That's a the Wolverine. a throw to, to Wolverine. Um, but actually, the thing that makes Kickass unique is that he's just absolutely wank at being a hero. He's got no fighting ability. He's, he's scared off at time and everything. But that's all part of the charm of the story, isn't it? Yeah, and he can take a beating because he can't feel the the pain mostly. Yeah, but he chooses to be a hero before. Oh, before. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that, that's what makes him quite unique, is that he chooses to be a hero before he's got powers. To say, well, powers. And... Yeah, and I think that's what's what's good about it in terms of like, the setup. So again, it's it's one of those like, ah, oh, it's you think you've just seen it all before, but then it's just the way that it, it just puts those little spins on it. So again, those nods yeah. to what's gone before, i.e. Spider-Man and all the Marvel stuff. Um, but then, yeah, then you said, you mentioned it, Ben. It's just—it's about the character, and um, it's just what makes him unique. Yeah, and they—they they throw it open with that opening scene about with the guy stood on top of the skyscraper, mm-hmm. opening those wings out, and it's just kind of like, why don't people try and become heroes? And then he just crashes into the taxi and just gets turned into mush. Yeah, that's... and that's why you don't do it. And then he still does it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so in the summary, that's that's what it's about. That is what we've got. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's it's a guy who tries to become a superhero, and through a series of unfortunate events, actually ends up locked in a battle with essentially the mafia and real life heroes. He gets dragged into a different plot, and that's that's kind of the film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he gets dragged into Big Daddy and, and Hit Girl's story, but he actually is just a side character to their to their main events. Yeah. Cool. Let's let's talk some of his favourite scenes. Anybody want to talk about the fact that it just has a whole section at the beginning about him masturbating <laughs> over his teacher in National <laughs> Geographic? Because it's still funny you know, now. Whack, whack off warehouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got that quote. Yeah, I was waiting for a friend to bring that up. 
That's I think it. when he's when he's scrolling through scrolling through internet and he just sees that picture of them two tribes women <laughs> what trick is with it? the tits out. Yeah, <laughs> that is so funny. I forgot because I watched this film in like two parts. So I'm like, oh yeah, I've made a note that just says whack off warehouse. And I'm like, what was that bit about now? But yeah, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff that triggers him. That did tickle my, like, my note just says. My note just says wanks over Tuka <laughs> and National Geographic. <laughs> 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 yeah, didn't think much to set me off. Uh, yeah, I mean that doesn't top my favourite scene. By the way, I just thought it needs it's an honourable <laughs> mention. It needs to be brought oh, up early. And, and right at the beginning of the film, yeah. I think it just perfectly uh, it sets the <laughs> sets the tone. Yeah, I quite like the whole opening. The kind of whole opening transitions between introducing all the characters, where it flicks from like. Um, like the, the the three main guys, Kickass yeah. and his friends, and then introducing Chris D'Amico, and then introducing like Frank D'Amico, and I, lo- I love the whole arc transition between characters for an origin story. I think it's uh, I think it's quite yeah. well done. Yeah, where kind of over oh, the scenes over. I think there's a. I've just got a note here. I've put. Um, oh, it's the puffs, the cereals. So the cereals, the gravestone, was a great edit, and then there's also another transition with the taxa. And then I just made another note about like it's it almost feels like it's a bit of Edgar Wright style cuts. And like some overlays, like it's just really smartly done. But yeah, just add into what you said. Well it's kinda of, it's kinda of Matthew Vaughan who kinda of worked a lot with Guy Ritchie early on, didn't he? I think he produced a lot of um like lock stock and stuff. Oh that the similar right. so I don't I don't know if that's where some of the flair mm. comes from before he moved on to directing himself. Yeah, but, but no, those are um, yeah, do look smart at the beginning. I just like the way that they re- the, the way they set up. Um, I can't remember what Kickass's real name is. Dave. What is non-hero name? Dave. Yeah, how they how they set Dave up with that whole. He's just a teenage lad. He just awkward teenage. Yeah, yeah just wanks to everything. <laughs> that bit when he stood at his lockers and she oh. goes, "Hey, gorgeous," and he goes, "Hey," and then like she closes the locker door and you just see that behind it, like. It's so I could awkward. Feel his pain yeah. straight in my soul. I just thought, oh, oh it's just—it's so cringy. <laughs> it, it's uh, yeah, it's good. And then the whole thing, obviously, where he, um, where him and his friend get mugged as well, and it starts starts planting that seed about why he wants to be a hero. Yeah. And then him going back and setting up the website, and just a, a throwback to old technology. Yeah, he's MySpace. <laughs> MySpace, that made this film. Still clinging on in 2010. Like the, the film feels like a little time capsule for, for technology. Gone. <laughs> yeah, because he's got like, he's got, um, the phones are developed just to the point where they've got cameras. Yeah. Oh. But they but they were still had buttons. Yeah. Like the slidey up ones, weren't it? I think they, they featured a lot. Yeah, were they able to phones. stream like they were doing? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, they just uh, mm. yeah, exploit that it, seemed but... a bit beyond its time, mm. didn't it? But a little bit, <laughs> but still, yeah, to look back and be like, Whoa, YouTube, like, look at the look at the style of it back then, <laughs> 10 years ago. What about um, some other intro scenes? I've got here the um, the costume reveal, so I underscored that, and I just put the um, so Big Daddy and Hit Girls uh, training, the pistol training with the body armor. 
Yeah, I remember first time watching that. That I thought that were like one of the moments where you get locked into a film. Yeah, just seeing like that young girl and just being like, "What?" Like she's swearing in all action and that. Just like, well, Nicolas Cage though. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, to be fair, um, Nick Cage and that Chloe, like their whole relationship and acting in this film is just so good it's like every is that scene every scene yeah the scene with the bullet where, they, where he's tested bulletproof vest with her and then the and then the scene when they're having ice cream at bowling alley <laughs> after that and she says you know I, I want a puppy and I want a whatever Sasha makeover doll and he's like you do like proper stressed out <laughs> and she's like nah I'm just fucking with your daddy <laughs> is that where he says not me for a I think that's I think that's what's great is it Oh yeah, I was, was going to say I think it's great. Every scene kind of sets up everything about the characters that you need to know. Yeah, you get everything from about about Dave. Everything you need to know about him, you get everything you need to know about those first two scenes for Hitgirl yeah. and Big Daddy, and then the with um, with Frank. Yeah, and Frank goes from talking in the guy to in the car with his son, and talking yeah. about what they want to get from there. The cinema. Yeah, I mean that that first scene with old henchman where this where they keep saying when he, when they have the the whole Batman conversation, he said he said I didn't say Batman. And like, I did that. That's a great scene. Followed by I've got here the Spider Man rooftop scene. So this is where um, Dave's testing his uh, his his jump um, and testing his metal. Yeah, and that that, that march that, to um, Tobey Maguire's um, Spider-Man one. Yeah, when he's first testing that, he's he's jumping his swing. But um, yeah, I thought that yeah. was. I think having the films just generally set in oh, New yeah. York as well. Although I'm not sure he was filmed in New York, but I mean, the overall uh, sweeping shots of New York. It, kinda, yeah, yeah, the film seems to be the most superhero type city. It's set, it's set in New York. Whether it was filmed in New York, I don't know. But but Kickass is in New York, isn't it? Um, yeah. What about the? I think that's a great line as well. When he when he first decides to actually uh, confront those two car thief muggers, and he just says, uh, "Just as every serial killer already knew, fantasizing just didn't do it for <laughs> you anymore." And I just think that's that's such a great line as he as he leads into that moment. Mm-hmm. And obviously that scene's just awesome as well because it has um, Omen playing like back uh, back in music as, as he starts fighting, but then he just gets stabbed and it just cuts it all short. Yeah, I remember that being pretty um, like unexpected at the yeah. time. Yeah, it's fairly yeah, brutal, isn't it? First time you see that, and it's just really well, unexpected. Out, but... And then now, as you say, the music just cuts and everything, and it's just. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about it a bit more later on, but the use of music in this film is just absolutely bang on mm-hmm. the money. They use it so well to build things up and then switch it at key moments to give different effects. Mm-hmm. I think just that scene as well, just subverting expectations, and not only does that happen with like music, but just scenes in general. So it sets it up and you just you almost sit there thinking, ah, oh, I know what's coming next. Um, but yeah, that one's definitely the, the introduction to probably the first of many, where you're like, "Hold on a minute, he's been stabbed. Is this a dream? What you know? How how will the story progress if he's already injured?" Um, 
but then that gives way to because obviously then you think oh, I stabbed and that's it but then it's the stumbling out into the road and then getting knocked over and you're just thinking seriously like is somebody taking over from this guy what's going on <laughs> but obviously that is his true origin story yep. as he as he then gets his powers which I think is great I think that's a it's a really good start yeah and I like how it then switches pace for when he next goes when he next goes out as kick ass and he's just trying to find that cat. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because yeah. you think that it's going to like Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just doing Fuck odd you, jobs. Mr. Bite <laughs> Fuck you, Mister Bite. He's easily got one of my verse, one of my favorite pieces of dialogue. When he's just climbing up that thing and he fucks up and he realizes he's just a masterful. <laughs> he's looking at cat. <laughs> but obviously, fuck you, Mister Bite. It obviously then leads to him getting in his first fight and then kick ass kicks off as a mm. big celebrity. You know? Yeah, that's where all the the oh, fans goes viral him fight then that catches the attention of I think a girl and... a few a few small moments or um, you know unsung heroes of this film are with his friends um, I think they're like called Todd or what and some whatever other dudes uh-huh. called e- Evan Peters and that yeah. other guy um, there's the moment when um, <laughs> for the first time is it is it Katie the girl the girlfriend yeah. She, yeah. She, she, yeah, she sat across from him and she says, she says, I hope this is okay to say, but, you know, I've always wished that I had a gay friend like you. And then he's like, at that moment, he looks over his sho- looks over her shoulder at them two and they're both just nodding like, pretend to be gay, pretend to be gay. And it just, that bit absolutely tickled me every time. And then there's the same bit later on when they're watching, watching the, the live stream on the internet and the girl who's with him starts crying and hugs one of them. And then he like taps his mate <laughs> over his shoulder and goes like, "Look, she's hugging me like," and he's like, "Yeah, dog, like right, happy for him." Like, I just thought, I think they're, they're the two good characters, quite charming. Don't really have a lot to do yeah. with film, but... but when they when they're in the scene, then it's yeah, it's it's like a good camaraderie between the the three of them. Yeah, because then they, they also have the whole thing with, you know, um, why does no one be- why does no one want to become a hero? You know, Paris Hilton, you know, Paris Hilton has a pawn tape. Maybe it's a pawn tape. Spider-Man doesn't have a pawn tape. And they have all them, just those, those little bits of dialogue that just that just bring the scenes together. Yeah. See, I think there's a similar thing with the a lot of the, oh, the henchmen yeah. goons. Yeah. Obviously, um, Michael Vaughan, a British director. No, Matthew Vaughan, sorry. British director. I had um, a load of, like, British actors, didn't Just the entire cast of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> um, and a lot of them played it, play those gangsters and a lot of them are just trying to, I feel like they're trying to steal the scene at some points. Yeah. I mean, that bit when he's when they're microwaving that dude and the, the, right, the second in command guys, like, just, just doing the miming. Who stole <laughs> our fucking coke? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like I say, we already talked about it a bit, you know, where they're torturing the guy at the start. And they're still all going on about Batman. <laughs> but you definitely said a cape. Yeah. <laughs> you said he looked like Batman. I didn't fucking say Batman. Yeah. So I've got microwave, and then I've got another note here that just said naked attack. I don't know what, what that one's in reference to, if that triggers anybody else's memory. No, I feel like that's just your side. Straight after microwave. Hmm. Yeah. 
Can't but then I've also that. got another one. Um, so about Nicolas Cage's reference to The Rock when he says pop quiz. No. <laughs> no. No, I think it's just you that yep. picks up on that one. Yeah. yeah. I remember I remember he says pop quizzes. I think when you've got naked attack, there is that thing when um Kickass's dad says to him, you know, the paramedics found you naked. <laughs> oh. did, did they rape you? And he's like, oh, he's yeah. like No Dad, like I was covered in blood. <laughs> right. Yep. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. I think one uh, one scene that's definitely gotta be up there for um for one of the best scenes is obviously the whole Razul incident. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The attack on the block. First big mm. fight scene, yeah. Because even that bit when they walk in and that woman says, says, which one is Razul? And she goes, I'm Razul. Can't you tell by my big titties? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. I think it's very funny. None of you guys laughed hard enough for that moment. No, no, I'm backing out, but it was funny. <laughs> it's just the way that he looks at her and all like and then they have that shot of Kickass's face and he's like what <laughs> but that that scene when Hit Girl comes in where you get you get the first shot of like a blade coming through a guy's oh, stomach yeah. which is just like straight ultra violence but then the music yeah, yeah. kicks in and it's like la 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 and it's like that really really silly childish music while she's just Absolutely, slashing people open, and and it, and because of the music, it throws yeah, you off. It, the turn completely you like, shifts. Then yeah. you're just expecting, just I don't know, like a brutal, like you know what's coming, but you just expect because of what you've seen in other films for it to be dark, grit, and moody. And then when that truck comes on, you just like, hang on a minute, wasn't expecting that at all. But then, yeah, that's just the comedy angle. So you've got ultra violence and comedy, just like squeezed in together in that same scene. Yeah, and also, just amazing choreographer. The way that she moves around room yep. fighting, and the way she's using the weapons. But it's like it—it it does take you out of it because of the music. Because at one bit, she obviously just stabs that woman through the door. Yeah, and really, there's no reason to do it. It's not very heroic at all. She just straight up just kills just, an unarmed yeah, woman. A, but like you're like, yeah, go almost hit an innocent bystander. But yeah, I think. Oh, she grabs a bottle. Oh no, she, she does. Yeah, she does. Yeah, smashes the bottle. Grabs yeah. that bottle. But then, so on, to be on her defence, somebody did just burst into the room and kill all the friends. <laughs> yeah. I think another great bit about that bit with the choreography is how she looks at Dave and smiles at him, <laughs> like every time she kills someone. I don't yeah. Know that. Yeah, just like <laughs> looking for that bit of praise because because she always wants to team up with him. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, look how good I'm doing. So it's a great little touch, yeah. Then the guy comes out with a butterfly knife and, like, and she pulls a butterfly knife out. Does the same thing, just throws it straight into his gut and kicks him into the toilet. <laughs> That's a great scene. Yeah, I think what's made better as well there is you've had that set up before, so you've seen that it was a gift for her from Big Daddy and then she's finally able to use it. Big Dan, give us a scene. Give us a favourite scene. Um, well, I'm going to sort of jump further towards the end. I just, Whoa. I just enjoyed any time that Hit Girl was was fighting, essentially. So yeah, we've had sort of that that first introduction to her with when she gets saved by a Big Daddy. But I just like the uh, the take on of the whole apartment slash office building at the end. She's taking on all the uh, all the henchmen. Yeah, I think that 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 Big Daddy's opening... a flame. No, 
you've skipped a scene. Yeah. We're talking about. I think. I think Dan's talking about when she when she goes to the headquarters at the end and she puts the pit starts by putting the pistol in that guy's uh, mouth. Yeah. Chic, yeah that I'm thinking of the warehouse. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong one. But yeah, just for again, the whole the whole fighting choreography, just the fact that how she's uh, clearly been trained up to to handle the guns in that way, just been really well done. And just yeah, you I agree. I think she was. I think she was like 13 or something at the time. I think she's going to be a bit younger in the film, perhaps. But yeah, still, you wouldn't know it. I think the hit girl in the lobby scene is very Kill Bill mm. to me. Because um, obviously there's that great shot where she's got the pistol in his cheek and she shoots through his cheek into the guy's head in background. But it's got that um, like subtle Wild West music playing in the background. Mm. I, think it, I think it is it. one of the... Um... Theme tunes from one of the Man My No Name films. I think it's Fistful yeah. of Dollars or um, for a few dollars more. I think it's one of those. Yeah, so kind of get you kind of get that with the violence and stuff. It just very Tarantino esque. But uh, th- sorry, go on. I was going to say I think it is one of the probably the best thing that's held up some of the fight scenes particularly yeah. in more modern ones where it's over reliant on CGI and it's just a big CGI mess mm. or whether it's or whether they're just not that good in general yeah because the, there's that a lot whole, of poor action scenes in recent she has, she has the um, she has the knife on a rope when she comes out of the lift and if you watch it pay really close attention to choreographer it's just just amazing how they, how they pulled it off. Because the way she sort of wraps it around the guy's arm, pulls it, he like gets his finger on the trigger, she pulls it again, and then manages to shoot himself. Yeah, she like yeah, that's it exactly. Knife through the hand, wraps it all in that thing into that scenario, gets him to shoot himself in the head, and then there's just the, the that whole scene where she's going down the down the um hallway with the bookshelves on either side. Mm-hmm. All the bad guys have flooded in, you just get that. But again, that's that's another scene where it's just like the music. It's just building and building and building. And then it kicks in with this like really happy, upbeat music. And she just starts her onslaught of all the different dudes in the corridor. And she's like those little flourishing details as well, like shoots one guy and he trips forward onto his own shotgun, and his shotgun blows like through his own head. Yeah, I think that's just that. That's got to be one of the best scenes, no doubt. What about if we jump it back to one friend we're mentioning? What about um, Hit Girl versus versus all the henchmen when she's wearing a night vision? Yeah, that's I, I, yeah. I think that's one of my one of the favorites. I've got another one that I really like, but. I think that one's good in terms of um, just the the emotion um, and just that connection that Hit Girl's got with um, Big Daddy, and that that really comes across in that scene when he's um, yeah he's, he's kind of bound and unable to assist this time, so she's left on her own. But he's shouting out um, in pain like commands, and she's like, "Oh!" and it's triggering. Right, this is what I should do next. And, um, yeah, great use of like the strobe effect lighting, you know, assuming you've yeah, not got like a photo epilepsy. Um, 
but yeah, choreographer, um, yeah, both of like the the main characters being restricted and unable to to help, and then yeah, Hit Girl. This is like the first time that you see that she can just take on the entire um, mob single handedly. Yeah, and I think even when they use that first person shot where you can see it from, like, see a pistol just in front from a point of view, they don't overly do it. No. They just use it a couple of times, and you get those really clean shots where she, like, puts the gun to a guy's chin and just blows his head out, like, over the other side. It's, it's carefully chosen and it's, it's, how and when they're going to yeah, use it. Yeah, it's very technical. There's a lot of bits that aren't, like you said, it's not over um, overused, but, like, yeah. moderate amounts just to make it entertaining so it goes to you know it cuts to another scene and you're like ah oh, it feels like fresh so you're not we don't ever go back to like first person throughout the entire film so it's just that one no, little section it. and then there's another one that i really like but yeah i'll let yeah. you guys discuss this one I, th- I think you can you can't mention that scene again without the music yeah which uh, i think is a is a remix of the main score from the film sunshine yes yeah i read about this one yeah um, which I think is probably the best piece of music in the film. Wrong. Best <laughs> <laughs> piece of music Opinions. in the film is when uh, when uh, Red Mist and Kickass are just driving oh, around. Crazy. Miles Barlock like crazy, yeah. <laughs> and they're just doing that little dance and they're just shaking their heads. <laughs> but going back to that scene, I, it's like just those little things as well, like Big Daddy's shouting superhero references. That's how he does his commands. Mm. Shouts like switch to kryptonite, and then he shouts something about Robin's revenge, and it's just all just gibberish. But to her, she knows what it is. Isn't it kryptonite? Like, like the one that strobe lighting's called. I don't know. I thought that's what I thought it was. Superhero things. Are you killing my dreams? Potentially. Uh, well, what's the second? What's the second command? Because I thought it was something to do with like Robin. I can't remember off the top of my head. I couldn't really remember what he was saying then. No. Because then, because then, then he takes because she takes the strobe light off and uses it as a distraction. Uh, if you if you know what that is, just email films at filmswithamigos at gmail dot com. Because we ain't going to do. But I'm I'm just going to make it up that it is hero <laughs> things because yeah, because that way the bad guys Superman's. Yeah, 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 and and then I thought it was something to do with like Batman and Robin. I thought it was so that. The villains wouldn't know what she's going to do, yeah. But she would, you know, their own little own little language. But I think that whole sequence ends with one of the best shots where it goes um, slow mo, oh, yeah. strobe, black and white, but Big Daddy's still in color because he's on fire. Yeah, I'm fine. So everybody's in black and white. She's running slow mo across. She shoots the last two guys, and you just see Big Daddy outside at screen. It's very engulfed um, in flames. Zack Snyder. Apart from it's not terrible, so yeah, that's neither. <laughs> but just that, that the yeah, the, the yeah, the way that, that no, is... I just want to be clear that not all Zack Snyder films are terrible, some of them are very good. I just... But that's what that, that's, don't that's hate what I on me, Snyder. Like. I've seen that bit, it's just like, yeah, Zack Snyder esque, but no, it's a good scene. Any more scenes before we move um, on? I think the midway midway through, you guys have mentioned it before, but there's another Kill Bill. Well, there's another Tarantino-style uh, sequence. So I think 
the guys flooding in in the offices and stuff is very Kill Bill, but there's also another bit that I thought was quite similar to that, and that's the mid-film comic scene that sets up um, and explains the backstory for Big Daddy and Hit Girl. Um, obviously, from a visually spectacular point of view. Um, yeah, I like that the film breaks out. So if you've not, I can't remember where Kill Bill fits into the timeline if it came out at a similar time or not. But having like a two D animated comic section within a ultraviolet film, I don't know if this was unique mm. or if it the second film to do it. I'm not sure if it is Kill Bill because Kill Bill's more it's like anime, isn't it? Uh, the style's slightly different. This one has got a Telltale's Walking Dead vibe. Um, and from the, the 2D artwork and then when it breaks out into the 3D, um, the modelling and stuff looks very um, Telltale's-esque. But I just thought it was a really cool cool little bit, especially for a bit that actually goes into a backstory because don't, they don't do that through like the rest of the film. There's the the footage of the guy jumping at the, the beginning just to kind of throw you off and be like, oh, is that kick-ass? Nope, that's just another guy trying to do it. Um, but yeah, this is just setting up their like backstory. And um, this is the bit in the film that differs from the comics. I read that um, Big Daddy and Hit Girl's story was completely different. Um, in uh, what's he called now, Miller? So Miller's original vision is set up that Big Daddy kidnaps um, the girl and then kind of converts her and forces her to become a vigilante and help him to achieve his goals. Um, but then when he watched the film, he said that he preferred the film version to, to his original comic. Because this way, Big Daddy and Hit Girl, there's more, there's like more of a connection from the audience. So when you're watching it, you can't actually feel for him and like get his like reasoning. Whereas in the comic, it was a bit. Well, you, are you saying, are you saying in the comic, she's not actually no. his daughter? Just yeah, it's, it's his daughter. He's just, um, he just stole her from his ex-wife and yeah. then okay. came up with a fake so backstory. Tell. So, but yeah, I think it would have been. It just would have been too many layers for a film. I mean, I yeah, yeah, to cut it away. Yeah, no, good move, good move on their part. I think, um, I think my favourite scene. I'd, I'd have to make three together and cheat a bit, but I think you already mentioned it in meeting Red Mist for the first time. Mm. Oh my god, that scene's so good! I've um, got a note on that one. In the car scene uh, with uh, Crazy playing and. And Aaron Taylor's there dancing in the car. I don't know. I don't know where he came up with that. I don't know if they were his own movements. But... Bang on. What about if somebody in the alleyway though, and he's just like, he's like, and he jumps kick ass. <laughs> Red mitt. It's the <laughs> hands, hands, hands on the hips. Like, oh, super repose. Yeah. And he jumps up and he's like, oh fuck. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And then that transitions into the the big daddy. Well, it, takes, it goes into the fire when he's, they have the fire in the warehouse. And then it, oh, and then yeah. them all watching the nanny cam. I just think it's great. All three of them sat on the sofa, the the cop in his pajamas, grub cop. Yeah, and them too. Yeah. And then you get you end it with the big daddy, where you really see him for what he is. I think that scene as well. That's that's that was the main bit I was mentioning earlier about subverting expectations. So you think, oh, it's the setup. So Red Mist is picking up uh, Kickass. They're going to drive to the warehouse, and then you're going to see the fight unfold. But then we arrive, and we're already. We're past the fight because Hit Girl and Big Daddy have already done that part. So the fact that the film kind of like well, reverses time, but I think it's just a really smart. When you watch this for the first time, you don't know there's going to be a fight. No, but that's that's where you expect when they rock up to that laundry place that 
oh, Mark Strong is going to capture him and then there's going to be this, you know, ensuing fight. But then when you rock up and it's on fire already, you're like, mm. oh, shit, what's happened here then? But you know that Big Daddy's like rocked up yeah. and yeah. screwed him over already. But I think, I think all those three scenes together just work so well. I think it's just great. I think there. Yeah, I think there. Red Mist has got um, Chris, who was played by a Chris in real life as well. I don't know his surname, but he's, the, the actor's called Chris. Um, I think he's just a... Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, he's called Christopher or something or other. can't remember his name. Apologies, now that you're listening to this podcast, but <laughs> if you were, I don't know your name. Yeah, I think it's just that it's just those bits, and again, Ben, it's like you said earlier. It's like it's actually his interactions with the henchman that's really funny when he's talking to second in command guy. And he's like, I, you know, I just need one guy to screw <laughs> over, you know, uh, you know, maybe like a, a Tony. And he's like, whoa, not Tony. And he's like, and he's like, oh, what about so and so? And he goes, he's a fucking scumbag. Yeah, let's do it. I think it is Tony in the end. I always hated yeah. Tony. Tony. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tony's a scumbag. <laughs> and then it cuts that news report like. Tony's been captured. <laughs> yeah. I love that bit though. So following on from that warehouse scene where um he's grabbed the bunny and you're like, is he picked the bunny because he's still a child? But then you're like, no, 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 it's a setup for the camera that was recording and was supposed to capture the um killing of kick ass or whatever. But then it's the fact that he's like, Yeah, hook it up to the TV, and this is just another throwback to technology where it's like, no HDMI. Just a red or black cable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a composite <laughs> yeah. AV cable, and you're like, whoa. Well, <laughs> old. You really pick up on the technology, friend. Yeah, it's just, it's just some, just yeah, they're very critical in demolition. Man, <laughs> now, now, yeah, <laughs> it has uh, it's transferred into Kickass. Can't wait for the next film. Technology. <laughs> I just thought it was it was cool though because it's ten years old, but you know it's it's YouTube and MySpace and old stuff, and you're just thinking like how times have like changed the fact that it's, it's in some ways that's way. like dated you know, it's like dated worse than demolition man in some ways because yeah because the way demolition the, uh, trying to be the future whereas this is this is stuck in 2010 yeah but i think that's, I feel that's like a good point was... not a bad point i just think it's good because you can look yeah, back i feel like, like it... damn is that how youtube used to look <laughs> i feel like they filmed at the right time for social media i feel oh, like it yeah i feel like it wouldn't have been as good um if they had old Twitter and stuff now, I feel like it was just that right time, kind of catching that right essence. Yeah, there'll always I've be that nostalgia watched. now when you look back at this. Yeah, I don't know if it. I didn't watch Kickass too. I don't know yeah, what I just that say, was like. I only remember Jim Carrey on that one and the controversy around that, but I don't remember the plot whatsoever. No. Oh, Kickass! Kickass Two has got some. I think it's got some far greater moments than Kickass One. When um when he assembles his team of bad guys and they've all got the terrible like racist stereotypical names, um, oh, I'm trying to remember what he calls them, calls them now. But we should watch Kickass too as well because that that whole bit's great. I just remember Jim Carrey not realizing that it was as violent, or was it about being no, general? No, it's because they were they were they were. There was a, I think there was a school shooting or something, wasn't there? They became very prominent uh-huh. just before the release, and then they said, you know, there was a big thing saying, well, should we pull release because it's very violent and very gun heavy, and Jim Carrey was kind of then said, yeah, he, he, he regretted yeah. doing the film. I thought he'd like just abandoned it and didn't um, do any of the press release because of those events, but 
No, I think it was I think it was more more linked to whether the film industry's got a responsibility to not show sure violence in those ways. I think particularly because it has such yeah. a like a young cast. Yeah, makes sense. But anyway, I think the film industry just deemed that it's not their responsibility, which is probably correct. Anyway, this got deep. <laughs> Moving on. This got heavy. Um, what about the bazooka? The bazooka that features uh, yes. many a time. Yeah, that is a whole running gag. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing when he just first picks it up. <laughs> He's always wanted one of these. <laughs> and then that bit when, when Hit Girl's hid in the kitchen. And he's like, fuck this. I'm getting the bazooka. <laughs> and he comes back in. Everything's under control, boss. He's like, if everything's under control, why are you grabbing the bazooka? <laughs> and then just Mark Strong's just like, do it. We need to we need a rest. <laughs> <laughs> And then obviously it comes full circle because the bazooka is the the, the uh, final weapon used. Yeah, that, that nod to it before yeah. not before uh, Kickass that rocks up in the uh, in that gift that Hit Girl and Big Daddy were shopping for like earlier in the film. I did enjoy that line where he just says, "Add it to the shopping cart." <laughs> shopping cart? Do you mean basket? Come on. <laughs> Times have moved on again. What about this? I've got a quick one here. Um, so when Red Mist and Kickass rock up to meet Big Daddy and Hit Girl, so they give them like the location of where they are in order to all, all amass in that area, and then um, Red Mist has brought the gang along, so it's a, it's a trap. It's a trap. Um, the fact that uh, Big Daddy and Hit Girl didn't do the background check on Red Mist and would have, unless Red Mist is just far more intelligent than Kickass and has covered all his uh, steps. You know, in early in the film where they're able to find Kikasa's location in his home because he's a bit, you know, rogue when it comes to like setting up email addresses and stuff. So they didn't do a background check on Red Mist and find out that he's like the son of the guy that they're trying to kill. They didn't know, I don't think they know Red Mist is coming. Do you just mean in general? Well, yeah, I, I don't think so because he puts on his website. I'm on vacation. Then they send him a location. Then he just goes to mm. it with red mist. Yeah, I suppose. I guess around that one. Yeah, I don't like... think they've crossed over at that point. Yeah. Bit. Oh, yeah. Because I guess right yeah, it's the surprise. Oh, you're here too, and then then they get jumped. Yeah, I think just just okay. Not think about Overlooking it. Looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Overthinking that bit. Cool. <laughs> what about the um? What, what? So the. Go on. The lobby scene um, or the main corridor fight in the the office is awesome. Um, what about the miniguns? Then what were we too far fetched, or is it not in uh, the world of of this film? It's not too far fetched, no. I'd say. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's. I think with the music and the violence already, it's already kind of set up what kind of film it wants to be. I think yeah, you're, you're I already there. It's quite a cartoon. Mm. There's people oh, exploding. There's a comic book style to violence, isn't there? Yeah. 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 I, think it's, I think it's charming. I think it's funny. And I think it's just used correctly. It's kind of like, well, why didn't you just do that at the beginning? Instead <laughs> of the hit girl just having to use two pistols to butcher like 30 guys. <laughs> like, no, Maybe it's it just fumbling. Just it. Yeah. No, it's just. I don't think it's too bad. I do like the bazooka at the end, though. I think that's a good, 
it's a good finish for Mark Strong. Yeah, what about Mark Strong's performance just in general as Frank D'Amico? He's got a, he steals the show a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah I think he's, he's, he's a I mean, as, as a villain, there's a lot of human traits, which I think really kind of ground this mm. character. It's a bit relatable, you know. I think I think a lot of the baddies are quite likable in this. As, yeah. mu- as much as the good guys. Like, yeah. It's funny yeah. when he's doing cocaine after he accidentally kills that person who's not <laughs> kick-ass. He's like, hey, mommy, I want to have a children's party. He's like, he's like little shit. <laughs> yeah, but Mark Strong is, is a great actor. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I don't think there's a scene that I don't like, and especially with him in it. It's the relationship with yeah. Red Mist as well that um, yeah, kind of grounds his character even more. But like you said, Ben, it's, yeah, I didn't even think about it before when I was watching it, but I don't think there's an unlikable character, even on the bad guy side. They're all pretty funny, and all their scenes come off quite comedic, considering how much violence there is. Yeah, it's not as if he's ridiculously over no. the top and got some weird power. He's just, he's a black belt in... Uh, he's got a good kick. In karate or whatever, and just, yeah, he can use that. Yeah, and again, it's it's that this film takes you so out of the violence that even when he's roundhouse kicking and stomping on a thirteen-year-old girl, you don't really see it in that light. It's it's softened slightly. Just as a good guy and a bad guy fighting. What about the? um... What do you think about the? I was just going to say what you think about that quick. Been liking the color. Yeah, I've just got a color reference here: Mark Strong, orange, and then Red Mist adopting it at the end. Spoilers. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a comic book thing or whether you just put that, that in as like just a, a, a like a quirk. To yeah. His well, then I thought about the but it's rest really, of the film. Like, <laughs> it's really striking. It's, <laughs> it's mm. orange everywhere. So you've got you know what well, everyone everyone's got a color scheme. Um. Yeah. Throughout the film, but then I guess you have to go back now and watch it and be like, oh, but is Kickass like? Does he have green in the first scene before he puts on that outfit and then? We see Hit Girl already with purple, and she's got like tones throughout the film. Um, but one thing, another thing I was going to mention about what did people think about the dojo fight scene between Red Mist and Kickass? With that reflecting mirror, I got Enter the Dragon vibes, but I don't know what anyone else thought. No? Mm, no. No. No, thing Enter the Dragon vibes, though. I think it's supposed to be the whole point of that is to give you two contrasting fights you've got hit girl versus frank d'amico where they're both skilled martial artists and then you've got red miss versus kick-ass who are both yeah, fumbling idiots <laughs> and mm. you just get yeah and they keep cutting between the two and they're like they're doing all the the roundhouse kicks the key move she's got the letter open the knife and, that. and it just goes back to them <laughs> and they're just whacking each other with stick but i thought in terms of like the way it's shot the side on mirrored effect I don't know that's just the the vibe that I was getting from from the style of that shot but no I think you're right in terms of it's just a stark contrast between what's happening in two separate rooms any of any other key performances we I guess we've already we've talked about McLovin being great performances I mean he, he doesn't really have a massive part in it but um for those that have watched power can't believe ghost is in this as well as that cop yeah, yeah, early career days. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't pick yeah. up on that, but yeah. What about Nick? What about Nicholas <sighs> Cage? Can't talk about it. He's had an up and up and down <laughs> career at this point. He's obviously been he's been at his highest highs, even by this point. His lowest, yeah, even by this point, he's been at his highest highs and his lowest lows. But then he he managed to slip in this absolute beauty of a performance. Yeah, it is great. Stuck on. Well, I mean, he's doing mustache. he's doing um, he's doing his best yeah, doing... Adam West impression from the original. Yeah, when he's in, <laughs> yeah when he's when he's in Big Daddy. Yeah, more like ass kick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, uh, it's just one of those, like I say, those one in 20, maybe. <laughs> that hit right. Yeah. It's such a shame as well, because when you think about the uh, great, performances, and then you're like, oh, Kick-Ass is actually in there, but it's only a, a much smaller role. But then it just makes you think, ah, why can't you follow it up with something else that's just as awesome? I think it's, I think it's sometimes the film, not necessarily Nicholas Cage's yeah. acting. Yeah. I think, I no. think it's largely quality yeah. of film. Because he just, yeah, he just made have to make loads to pay all his bills, didn't he? Basically, yeah, he just bought too many castles. <laughs> I reckon he's going to have a really strong performance in that upcoming film, uh, Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> We're never going to dignify that with a response. What about what about favorite dialogues? Any any of the favorite lines? Okay, one of my one of my favorite throwback lines is is um. The bit when Kickass is um just about to die, or he thinks he's gonna die, when he's being beaten with the oh, knuckles and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm gonna say because yeah. it was at the time we were absolutely going nuts for it, and uh, I think I think it was me, you, and Sean. Uh, you and I were talking about it at the time, but he says, "You know, I, I don't, I don't want to die. I, I still need to find <laughs> out what happens in Lost." And I was just oh, like, yeah. I was like, that was like my entire world. So that in 2010, my entire world was trying to figure out oh, what was that was joke? about. <laughs> I had that somewhere. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> didn't want to miss out on what happened on Lost. And then I just put, didn't miss much. Yeah. Yeah, didn't miss much, it turns out. But at that moment in what, time, we were reference. all like, Lost. <laughs> lost that gave birth to a thousand great TV shows because it, it proved... That TV could be bigger than cinema, but but, but still it still it. fell short. Anyway, yeah, but it's that that oh, that's a great line. It's forever in the pop culture now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not stood <laughs> no. the test of time even because yeah. if you if you if you have if you watch this now, you're like, well, what's lost? But I think it's same with any Game of Thrones reference now. I don't think they'll stand after the test of time season. after. No, after last no, season. After, yeah. yeah, one or two generations. Don't watch it. It's just maybe the side stories that'll re uh, rejuvenate the magic, and unless it just goes down the you know route of Walking Dead. It's what? Dead. Dan, it's come dead. on, don't give up. Oh. Yeah. Nah, nah, no, 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 Dan's right. Take it back. <laughs> I mean, you just mentioned Walking Dead. I mean, I know this is going off topic a little bit, but I can't. Walking Dead's got so it's many spin-offs. It's unbelievable. Yeah. There's a, a new one on Amazon. That's the, that's the teen one, though, isn't it? It's got a, world, it's a world beyond this time. Uh, ridiculous. Anyway, any any other dialogue? Fuck you, Mister yeah, Barty. Obviously, we mentioned earlier. I think my I think my favorite serious line is when he's fighting the um, the three goons after Mister Barty, <laughs> and then they're like, um, "What are you gonna do? Get yourself killed?" And he's like, "I can't remember how he words exactly, but he's like, yeah, then watch three assholes lay into one guy. Whilst everyone around here just sits and does nothing." I really like that line as, as more of the serious mm. type dialogue. 
gives you a lot, of, gives you a lot of insight into his character. <laughs> I just thinking of that moment, why they just do him? It's not that hard, is it? <laughs> Stick him with knife. Stick other guy with knife. Get out of there. <laughs> Crime complete. I've got green condom from the uh, apartment fight at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was, was a great. Funny. That was funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, there's like several moments in film when he just turns up and people just laugh in his face. And that that first one's one of the best ones in it when he um when he with them carjackers mm-hmm. when he walks into car park and that guy just goes <laughs> like hysterical laugh in his face. Just like dang, dang. Not, not not your confidence, like what come are you on. trying to be kid green condom. I thought there was some uh, there'd be a random anagram from all the uh, all the characters like. Superhero names, but I can't figure one out, so just grab that idea. <laughs> well, I just, I just made that? a few. You got R M K A B D H G. I was like, maybe there's something in this, but <laughs> <laughs> I got ADHD. Um, that was about it. I don't even know what you're on about. I just learned after that entire bit. <laughs> Uh, but I, can't, I didn't make any. No, I didn't make anyone else on dialogue. The Paris Hilton bit. Yeah, I think I, I, I had all the, um, I had all the, the big lube uh, screwing over Tony, and the whole <laughs> yeah. bazooka yeah. bit as well. I think we had two, two just great conversations between all the characters. Yeah, they were. They were really good. What do, what do we rate it? What do we rate this film? Now, is it is it a recommend to watch yeah. if no one's ever seen it before? Yeah, definitely. Recommend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's loads of superhero films out there, and I think this one it's still has like some originality to it. Yeah, yeah, it's still really likable. Like part part of me was the thought of watching the film. I thought it might be a struggle, but then when I when I actually sat down and just started watching, I think it, that's why it was hard to make notes. Um, it just passed the time easy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, it made me want to watch Kick-Ass 2 as well, which again, I just I just won't watch Kick-Ass in Kick-Ass 2. But now I watched this one, I thought, I do want to watch Kick-Ass 2 because, they, because I know for a fact there's some, some funny moments in that one and all. How much of the cast is in that one? Mm. How much carries over? Well, it's still it's still um, Chris D'Amico and it's still Kick-Ass and it's still Hit-Girl. Yeah. Um, and then you just get you get introduction of some new characters. But it's obviously about it's about like um, Kickass and Hit Girl kind of retake up the crime fight, but Hit Girl then backs out of it because um, she promised she wouldn't, mm-hmm. and then Kickass forms a little vigilante gang, and he, he's like two friends become heroes as well, and they're, they're all shit apart from like Jim Carrey's character. But then on the flip side, Chris D'Amico then forms like a super villain group, and that's the funny bit because they basically just hire assassins and hitmen from mafia. But he makes them dress up in costumes and he gives them ridiculously stupid <laughs> names that are like incredibly racist. And, Part of me makes me think that we've mentioned yeah. that Kick-Ass is very much like Deadpool, but Kick-Ass 2 just sounds like Deadpool 2. Yep. But before... But before Deadpool. Yeah. So, oh, I definitely yeah, want to see Kick-Ass 2. I still think, I still think you're thinking too much on the Deadpool. <laughs> no, no, I'm just... I, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, I don't think oh, it's just... that similar to Deadpool, but I think... In the yeah. in the hero in the hero universe, it's the, it's the only film that's close to. I feel like um, Aaron Taylor should have had a bigger career than he did, so I think it's quite a good. Did actor. you notice him in Tenet? Yeah, I feel like there's something weird about him. Yeah, doing what? his best. Um, no. I don't know if anyone noticed, but 
best yeah. best Captain Price impression. It's clearly been just playing Warzone in there in lockdown. Uh, and you had to yeah. play a military yeah. character, and you was like, <laughs> "I'm just going to do Captain Price." <laughs> no, the problem, the reason I didn't notice him in Tenet, Fran, is because I was wanting to rip my own eyes out <laughs> and stuff them down my throat so I'd die because it is the worst it, film it, I ever. I feel like made. he plays a very similar uh, role. Hashtag that's, that, doing that's a podcast. I feel like Godzilla is definitely and Tenet a podcast were very similar in terms of his performance. Yeah, he's trying. It's yeah, he's trying to break out of that character mold, isn't it? Because actually, um, he is. Dang. 30 years old. Old. Just a few months older than Ben, it turns out. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ben. Slip into the podcast. Dang. Ben's 30 years old, everyone. <laughs> His personal address is... No, I'm not sure. <laughs> Mother's maiden name. <laughs> so, we're, so round, round room, everybody said... We all recommend it. It's a, definitely a must-watch if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, maybe now is the time. To go back because it's ten years old. It's available on Netflix. Kicks ass. Kick ass. <laughs> Got it in there. <laughs> All right, and we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap up this episode here, and we'll let you know what's coming on the outro. That's a goodbye from me. <laughs> goodbye from me. From me. We forgot the order. We forgot the order. All right. right. Well, I'm going to leave this in for anybody who listens just for a charming bit to to hear how (laughs) how much stress is caused just by trying to say bye with four people. I'll go. Dan goes. Ben goes. (laughs) From the top. Let's let's take it from the top, people. That's a bye from me. Goodbye from me. That's yours. Goodbye from me. What an absolute <laughs> set of idiots. And that's it for Kickass. As usual, we hope you enjoyed that one. Next time, the Amigo himself has chosen a film that I think will give you, the listener, an insight into the mind of Francis Lee. Prepare yourselves for Magic Mike XXL. <laughs>